We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Knicks Film School pregame show. My name is Andrew Claudio, a.k.a. GMAC, and it's time to preview the Knicks' upcoming matchup against the Brooklyn Nets. A much different looking Brooklyn Net team than the last two times they played them. Before we bring on Mike Biseglia, a lifelong Mets fan, excuse me, Nets fan and Mets fan, apparently, uh, of the Bad Weather Fans podcast with Mike and Alex. Um... I'm going to ask that you guys do something with me and find the empathy in your heart because as much as we like to laugh at little brother, you know I do, whether you listen to this pod or follow me on Twitter, you know I like to get my jokes in and like to laugh. I also don't know if I'd still be doing this following sports thing if the Knicks had James Harden, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving, three future Hall of Famers, and a super team and the best odds at Vegas to win the finals. And in the span of a calendar year, all three of them asked out and got out. And I'm left with this fun young team of nice pieces that have no chance of winning a championship and Ben Simmons and his untradeable contract. Uh, it was good to get some perspective from Mike and he's, you know, he's, he's moving on and I think you're going to enjoy uh Parts of his misery, but also enjoy his perspective on all of this. Um, I made sure not to do any laughing, and I really think you're going to enjoy it. So let's get into it. My conversation with Brooklyn Nets fan and one half of the Bad Weather Fans podcast, Mike Biseglia. Enjoy. Joining me now here on the Knicks Film School pregame show. Um, behind the scenes, it's about 11.35 a.m. on Super Bowl Sunday, and... Um, while the rest of the world will probably tune in to see a, a matchup between two, not bitter rivals, but Andy Reid against his old team, the Philadelphia Eagles, the Kelsey brothers take place in an inner, inner family uh, rivalry between uh, brother versus brother and the Chiefs and the Eagles. Um, here in New York, we've got a different Super Bowl to look forward <laughs> to in the much smaller of, of windows. Um, and that is New York versus Brooklyn. And it's been very one-sided on the court, uh, off the court, 
maybe there's been some laughing going on that we'll discuss in just a second. Uh, but the Knicks will play the Nets on Monday night at Madison Square Garden. A very different looking team than the last two times the Knicks uh, played um, said rival across the river. And joining me to talk about this new look team, uh, he is one half of the Bad Weather Fans podcast. He also has a podcast called Mike Delivers, where he and his wife go around and review different uh, fast food options. Is even fast food options? It could be any options from Uber Eats. It's fat. It's fast food related, and I okay. do that just because I want to make sure the listeners can experience. Like one time, I picked up uh, tilapia from IHOP at ten thirty in the morning for somebody, and I looked at my wife after I, you know, later in the day, and I said, "I have to try this tilapia." from IHOP and that kind of just hasn't stopped since more, rest more, more traditional items, but that, that would kind of, you know, kicked it off. There you go. You can also hear him whenever he jumps on with Evan Roberts of WFAN, who was here last time talking about a much different Nets team. <laughs> uh, he is Mike Biseglia. Mike, welcome to Nick's film school. Thank you very much for having me. I, I, I to, truth be told, I like going on net shows. I love going on Nick shows. Really? Well, why mm-hmm. is that? Cause it's just more, I, I don't know. It's something about like going in enemy territory, going on to talk nets and um, kind of defend the nets, bring up mm. the nets. I get a kick out of doing it in the Nick platform. So like for me, I would have more fun if I was the nets going to the garden, right. than playing at Barclays. There's something about doing this on a Nick show. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty pumped to, to be here. Well, not to say that there's, uh, room for you to defend your team um, in the conversation we're about to have. Uh, I I got no jokes here. It's been just fascinating to watch what has transpired over the last, let's just say, ten days in in Brooklyn. Um, little little behind the scenes, John Macri and I we do a Patreon pod every mm-hmm. week, and nine days ago we were going through the league looking for the safest bet to win the title, and I. Both we both looked at each other and I, I just said, like, gotta be honest, is it crazy to say the safest bet is if Katie comes back healthy, Brooklyn? And within the hour, Katie, uh, Kyrie had sent his trade request. Of course. And it was like, oh, never mind. That was that was that was apparently uh, ill-advised of us. Uh and I can only imagine what these last nine days have been for you, a uh, battle-tested Nets fan. Uh talk me through it. What has the last nine days been like? Yeah, I mean, in a weird way, it's been a microcosm of the last three and a half years of Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving being here. But it was weird because when I saw the news, just like everybody else, that Kyrie Irving demanded a trade out, I was I was shocked. I'll be honest. I was shocked. But when you sit back and you think about it, it it was like I was shocked, but at the same time, not stunned Mm -hmm. because of everything that has happened in the last couple of years with this team from Harden to Durant wanting out, then Irving wanting out again. Uh, so my initial reaction, shock, uh, disappointment, utter and utter disappointment, right? Like I am a delusional net fan. I know everybody would say this. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. And ultimately, everybody was right. It did not work. It was a complete failure, complete failure at the highest level. But I always had this glim of hope, like here I am as a lifelong net fan. If Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant are healthy, they have a chance to win a championship. They had an 18 and two spurt where they just looked dominant, couldn't lose basketball games and were simply incredible. Um, So with all that in my head, it was just kind of disappointment and anger that this team is not going to have a chance to even compete in the playoffs. Um, And from that moment on, I was like, you know what? 
whatever the pieces are, whatever the deal is. Now I'm just I'm I'm all in on just ending this because I can't keep going through these swings of emotion and a roller coaster. And you know I'm just happy. You know I know I'm not going to win a title, mm-hmm. but at least I'm happy that I can watch basketball and it just be like normal basketball and normal well, off the court. So the anger that you're talking about, I would probably be exactly the same if this had been how it's not even necessarily the last three years. And I think you'll, you'll agree with me. It's like from the beginning of last season to when the last deadline was, it's the last year and a half, because I think anybody would have looked at how the, the 2021 season, like you're, you're a shoe size away from being in the conference sure. finals, potentially winning a title. But that anger, is it directed at the players? Is it directed at the management for allowing all this to spiral out of control? No, nah, really. I mean, for me, like it stems. I, I think the snake of this thing at the head of it is Kyrie Irving. I think mm-hmm. what his decision snowballed what happened to the Nets. And let's not forget. Uh, and I've been the biggest Kyrie Irving defender in situations where I probably should not have it. I'm not talking about from this season, but in the past and everything that has gone on. And I always tried to defend Kyrie. But if you take a step back and you think about it, his decision, right or wrong, how you feel about it, his decision to not get vaccinated just torpedoed this organization mm. because he made that decision. The Nets then made, had poor management decisions within that. James Harden, although I'm not a fan of his for what he had did to leave the Nets, I could at least understand his situation being like, I have got to get out of here. I do not trust Kyrie Irving and I do not trust this management. And it just continued to snowball that, right? Then James Harden asked for a trade. The return for Ben Simmons has been awful. Ben's the worst contract in the NBA. He's been terrible. And then you fast forward here with Kyrie now in this season and everything that happened earlier with the anti-Semitic video. And then to now wanting a trade. I mean, it has all started from that moment. You're right. But even if you look back beforehand, the year he was, he decided to miss a couple of games. He didn't want to be here. I mean, it was just a nonstop roller coaster of crap. Um, so even though I was angry, like I think I'm coming to a state now where I'm just like, okay, we're the Nets. Here we are. We've got some talent on the roster and we're just a regular team. Yeah, that's going to be refreshing to be just a regular team. It is. I'm serious. <laughs> yeah. It is. Yeah. It is. Um, you know, it's funny. I'm thinking back to that first year because you're talking about the year that Atkinson got fired and Kyrie just like disappeared and it was like, all right, Kyrie's taking a week off. I guess you can do that. And well, that was actually that was actually the year after. So it was the second year. Okay, it was the gotcha. second year. The first year was the bubble year. And he's like, I'm not going to the bubble. I mean, it just was always something that was brewing and happening. Uh, so, yeah, that that was the second year, the first year under Nash, okay. where he just dipped out and disappeared for moments of time where he would be with um, political figures. He went mm-hmm. to his sister's birthday party. And I was like, you know what? It's OK. It's OK, because the talent, the talent, the talent. But the more and more and the worse and worse it got, you just got to a point where it was like, what's going to happen next? Yeah, that's the, the the crazy part is I think I was also like a defender of Kyrie at that point that it was like like this team understands that the playoffs are what matters sure, and exactly. I'm all for mental health breaks. I think that should be actually encouraged more mm-hmm. and if the NBA is not going to mandate it. That's why I like the load management stuff. I I agree it sucks if you pay to have tickets to go to a game and the players don't play, but this is where the NBA would then have to step in. I'm actually like understanding of it. And right. then what has transpired since like, ah, okay, there's no, 
there's at a certain point there's there's no defending certain actions. I I do want to ask because this is now the second time in the last let's say the last decade that the Nets have gone all in. This a much more worthwhile endeavor to go all in on Katie and Kyrie. And then I'll even say going all in on James Harden because of what the ceiling looked at sometimes looked like sometimes the, the Garnett, Paul Pierce, Jason Terry trade that ended up with one playoff series win. Um, They're different. So I can't tell, I'm not going to ask you what's worse because I'm I'm sure it's obviously this. Can you kind of explain how the different feelings are after that because I it feels like with this even though it's a bigger disappointment there's a much more hopeful future ahead whereas the other one when it ended yeah. it was like oh we're going to be bad and there's like we have no control over our picks as a result yeah i mean i think the biggest difference is when that team came to an end i mean the talent on that roster was abysmal uh and and they had no draft picks so you have to think mm. how do you rebuild a franchise when you don't have draft picks and you don't have any good players, right? And Sean Marks did a fantastic job and maneuvering out of that where he would take on bad contracts and in return, get draft picks. And he turned those picks into Jared Allen, Karis LeVert. He did an excellent job drafting without capital, getting picks and then doing well with later round picks. So they were coming from a state of just terror on that side of things. This one difference is it was kind of like fast and furious ending <laughs> and it's over now, right? Like, boom, it's all gone. But mm-hmm. on the other side of it, the, the, the hope that you have for Nets right now is like, okay, they're 33 and 23. So they've done this basically two thirds into the season. They're going to be in the play, at least the play in game. They're not falling out of that. The playoffs, we'll see. They're going to have to fight for it. But they've they've got young talent, which that team did not. Nick Claxton's a budding star. Cam Thomas has shown flashes where he can score well. They added two guys in here from Phoenix and Bridges and Johnson that are young players that can be foundational pieces. Now, do they have any stars? Absolutely not right now. But at least from this end, like this is the team that's going to compete, is going to play hard. They've got, they played great defense versus the Sixers, but you, you can see their flaws. But unlike that other team where it was like, they got nothing. This is this is you ready to be a net fan? You ready to challenge your fandom? Get out and get ready for Yogi Farrell being your starting point guard and praying something <laughs> happens, right? I mean, that's what it was. So, you know, th- this at least I would say emotionally, this one was kind of just like uh, like more of a dagger to the heart, but because of the expectations, but they're in a much better place than they were when that thing ended. You a baseball fan at all? I am. Okay. So the analogy I used the other day to a, a friend was that because like, I've, I've said this publicly. I know that my face on Nets Twitter has become, I'm laughing in, in all scenarios, but right. I did mention, like, I really do like what Brooklyn has done. And it's like, there's a starting rotation that the Nets have of two and three starters. It's all two and three starters. There's no ace, but you've got like six or seven guys that I'd love mm-hmm. to have in my rotation and potentially starting a playoff game. And you go like seven or eight deep like like your 10th man at this point in my estimation just from outside looking in and we will talk about him now is ben simmons which Mm -hmm. like tell me a worse 10 man in the league now (laughs) let me ask you is there a is there like how is ben simmons as the 10th man in the ben simmons experience now that he's gonna I, i don't see him getting traded anytime soon and i i I don't know what the net fan feeling about Ben Simmons is right now. Well, well, here's the problem with what you said. And you could be right. Is he the eighth, ninth best, tenth best player? 
on the team. Like if you take each roster, you go, yeah, Ben Simmons totally would be my 10th best player. The problem is I I'd argue it'd be hard to find somebody that makes $35 million a year. Right. Right. You know, I mean like, like Evan Fournier level times 10. This it's is Kevin what this Love. Is. Kevin Love just got taken out of the Cavs rotation and he's making it. Think close to thirty million this year, yeah. And this is this is what we got back in the James Harden trade. So th- mm-hmm. that's all the problem. And and the issue with with Ben on the court has been his lack of aggression. He's not been aggressive. He played sixteen minutes last night. Mm-hmm. Jacques played him sixteen minutes. I mean, that's barely anything. He had this one stretch where he started to be aggressive earlier in the season, and he looked good. And you're thinking this version of Ben Simmons alongside Durant and Kyrie Irving, this team has a chance to do something special. But it's this become this passive aggressive play. And, you know, I, I truly think that he's just not in the same headspace that he was three or four years ago when he was confident. That confidence is gone and he is a different basketball player. Uh, I know he's probably not as athletic because of the surgery, but I don't think that's the problem, right? Like maybe he's not quite as athletic, mm-hmm. but it's more of he he is just not in the same headspace and has no confidence right now. And it's very obvious on the court. I think that's why I'm, I'm somewhat empathetic to his situation because of the, like there's clearly something cerebral going on. And I just like, like I I don't know what's going on with him. So I don't want to judge it too much other than like, I see what's on the court and that's what I will judge. Um, and then, yeah, you add in the physical part of this. He's not the same player. And you just there's a history with the NBA when it comes to back injuries that that can seriously affect the version of the player you saw pre and post mm-hmm. said injury. Um, but let's I, I know that the Ben Simmons thing is is polarizing, I guess. Or is it polarizing or is it more unifying among Net fans? It's unified. I mean, okay. Net fans are really disappointed in it. And, and, you know, like we can think back to how we got here and it's. Jared Allen, Karis LeVert, Torian Prince, and a whole bunch of first-round draft picks that go over in a trade. Nets get back James Harden. Harden's then swap for Curry, mm-hmm. Drummond, and, of course, the centerpiece, Ben Simmons, and a couple of picks. But you think about all of that, from where they were to where they are now, that stings. That stings. And that's kind of like the, you know, if you're going down the highway and you're talking about the Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, wreck that has happened to the Nets franchise. Like this one is kind of like on the outskirts where you're just on that side road, but there's still traffic and it's still just (laughs) as annoying and it still just has really hurt this organization. And, you know, I I think that played some part of it as well for Kyrie being like, I want out of here. There were reports he was frustrated with Ben. Um, And I, you know, I can't blame him. Yeah. Yeah. The one of the things that, and like you, you heard the interview when I talked to Evan about, the culture change and look, I it's less about like Nets culture and like the reason Kevin Durant said he wanted to come here. Um, it's it's way more that as of 2019, and this is I guess where we can get into some Knicks Nets stuff. Sure, that was really like the first time that I had to not necessarily take the Nets seriously, but like for years it had been the Knicks are so clueless if they ever got cap space they'd get free agents coming in. Then the the decision happened. It's like, all right, well, maybe it didn't work out this time, but someone will finally choose New York and choose to go there. And then in 2019, it was like, oh, someone did choose New York and they went to Brooklyn uh-huh. instead. And I'm curious what the long-term effects of that is because as, as disappointing as this 
run ended up being, I'm positive there are, are young basketball fans that their first basketball memory is Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, two of their favorite players, going to Brooklyn and they wore those jerseys and it made them Nets fans going forward. Although I am curious what that number is. Do you think that in this era of because we're world or we grew up rooting for a team and then the players on that team right. became our favorites. Younger basketball fans today, they fall in love with players and then sure. wherever you go, I follow. So do you think that this helped in like cultivating more Nets fans going forward? Or it's like did as Kyrie, Katie and Kyrie left, did the fan base that came with them also go with them? I'm sure it did help a bunch. I mean, it, it it had to have to have those kind of stars and a younger player. I mean, you see more net gear than you ever did, you know, in the past. Now, what kind of long lasting implications that, does that have? I have no mm-hmm. idea. Uh, it has been interesting. Barkley Center, the last couple of games without the stars with this new roster has been much louder, much more energetic and much more engaging. And it just feels as if the fans like are caring all of a sudden or the people that are there because, you know, maybe the ticket prices have gone down a little are into it. It was kind of strange. Strange. I'm like, you don't have star. Like, you know, there's points with Barclays where they have the stars and it's quiet. Now here you are with this like scrappy, young, feisty defensive team, and it's been more energy on the uh, from the fans, which has just been kind of weird to see. If you think about it, doesn't kind of doesn't make sense, I guess. Uh, but I do think there's going to be more added net fans. You know, I think that's kind of happened ten years ago when they moved to Brooklyn. Mm. You know, I'm not one of the people that come on. I'm not one of the net fans that are going to be like, oh, the Nets are taking over the city. Like, I'm not stupid. This uh-huh. is, this, there's more Nick fans. Give me a break. But I will say, I think it would be silly to think like. The Nets haven't, um, you know, made a dent in that or added to their fan base. It's definitely bigger than it has been before, and it's only been ten years. It'd be like if you went to, you know, uh, well, it's a little different because there was baseball in the NL for a long time. But like in 1972, if you walked over and you're like, you know, there was Twitter then, and people were fighting on Twitter, you'd be like, oh, the Mets are taking over the town. You'd be like, no, they're not taking over the town. There's more Yankee mm-hmm. fans. They've been here forever. They've been here for a hundred more years. But you can see that the Met fan base is still growing. That's why I'm kind of curious, like in 60 years from now, what will it look like? I have no idea. Yeah. Given there's a planet and so believe me. <laughs> well, those are yes. <laughs> those most <laughs> important. Yeah. <laughs> other, and both of our teams will still not have titles. So that's I I to promise. say the Knicks will still be trying to battle out for the six seed and Tibbs will still be, you know, playing Julius Randle and Jalen Brunson over 40 minutes. A hundred um, year old Tibbs. That yes. would be awesome. And we'll be still running the same ISO offense, too. For over 30 years, the law offices of Weiss and Rosenblum in New York City has been home to a team of award-winning, hard-hitting injury attorneys who have a long track record of seven-figure results. Whether you've been injured in a car accident, fall, construction accident, or other traumatic event, Weiss and Rosenblum will work tirelessly to maximize the award, regardless of the severity of your injury, and get you and your family the fair and just compensation you deserve. Call Weiss and Rosenblum today at 212-366-6100. Again, that's 212-366-6100 or visit weissandrosenbloom.com for more information. No case is too big or too small. Personal attention to your matter is a priority. Once more, call 212-366-6100. Previous results do not guarantee future outcomes. If you think you might have a case, speak with a veteran attorney, not a rookie. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, 
and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. I need to ask about Cam Thomas. And I, I have some questions about some of the pieces that you like the most. But mm-hmm. those three 40-point games to then go back to... Now, look, you could tell me because you probably watched the games closer. The 20 points against uh, Chicago and then 14 last night against Philly. I just... What do you make of this player? Because I'm box score scouting yeah. mostly. And I yeah, see these yeah. these three offensive games happen. And it's like, oh, I guess this is now Cam Thomas's team. And then... Yeah. You know, the new guys show up and he's relegated to a different spot in the rotation. What do I make of this player? Well, they were so void of talent in those couple of days because of trades. They had mm-hmm. nobody on the roster. So Cam Thomas put up a lot of shots, but he was efficient. Don't get me wrong. He he, he played really well. And it wasn't just like he took a million shots to score 40. He was clutch. He was he was fantastic. He wasn't getting much run early in the year. And I won't even say like, oh, because Kyrie was ahead of him. Kyrie's so so inconsistent if he would be there or not. Mm-hmm. It was his lack of defense, his lack of passing. Those two didn't get him on the court, and Steve Nash couldn't figure it out. Now, they've unleashed Cam a little bit, and he can go off and score. But for him, he needs to show those other aspects for him to get that kind of playing time that I, I know a lot of net fans are hopeful for, but when they were so void of talent, it was like, you've got to play and he can be on, un- he can be unleashed and he has the ability to get buckets when he's hot, he's hot. And he was hot in those three games. He's definitely not going to be like, he's not a 40 point per game guy right now. Like that's, that's, that's crazy town. But now with the added pieces, you know, he came off the bench last night, which was interesting. You know, is he a guy that can get you 15 to 20 off the bench and just be a high volume scorer for a team that needs offense? That's where I think I'd love to see him flourish. Uh, but, you know, unlimited, I guess, ceiling because he's still just a baby. He's only been in the league a couple his second year. He's 21 years old. So we'll see where he goes. But he's definitely not. He's not. 
I wouldn't say if you're a Nick fan, you don't have to be like, oh, the Nets got themselves mm-hmm. the next superstar over there in Brooklyn, and he's just right, waiting to erupt. I think they have a nice player that they found at the very end of the first round of the draft. Um, that's going to be a, a good player. You know, I don't know if he's going to be forty point per game guy, but I think he can be efficient and helpful. Well, I I was wondering even like twenty five point per game guy. You know, and is that you mentioned a line in there that it, what net fans want is is there a, an outcry for more Cam Thomas minutes or a focus more on his usage? I, I do think so. I mean, in particular, like last year, he didn't play. I mean, he mm. wasn't playing at all. And then, yeah, a little bit this year as well, when you saw that game versus, you know, the Indiana Pacers where he played, or for example, last year versus the Knicks, it's like this guy doesn't play. Then he comes in games and he's taking over. So mm-hmm. there is wanting to see more and more of it, um, which is understandable. You know, I don't know. I I would put it this way. 25 per game on a bad team, 16 per game on a good team. You know, like if he's scoring 25 to 30, that team's probably bad, which is what the Nets were, you know, especially when it was him, Clax, and nobody else mm. on that roster. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. It's some, it's, I guess maybe it's similar to like a Kevin Porter Jr. when he was having those, those crazy scoring games a couple of years ago before they got Jalen Green. It was literally after the Harden right. trade was made. Um, who do you like the most out of who you got back? I'm a big Mikel Bridges guy, really. I- wanted the Knicks to take him instead of Kevin Knox, but where do you stand? I love him. I mean, okay. he's been awesome. He, I mean, it's been so refreshing too to hear him in the post game, to hear him when he got traded, just like a nice guy that's energized yeah. and happy and just, which is so refreshing after the last couple of Nets years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love his game. He's only continuing to get better. His defense was great yesterday. You could see him and Cam Johnson switching on James Harden. They did the best they could. Uh, I really like him as a player. He's under contract for a couple of years. Uh, he's gotten better in scoring each year, starting at eight, now at 17, which I think is going to take another leap now with the Nets who need scoring. Uh, and I think they got themselves a nice player. I mean, there was a report that the Grizzlies offered the Nets four first round picks for Bridges. They yeah. said no to it, which I'm glad they did not because I want to, even if they're not, Nets are going to win a championship this year or next. I just need to see good basketball like I need to, I need to have a regular year <laughs> under my belt before we go into full rebuild mode. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, like I just need like okay. I know they're not going to win. I know it's probably smarter to get more draft picks, but I just need a year of regular nets, like regular forty four and thirty eight, and they lose to the Bucks, and no one cares. I need that. Um, but yeah, to answer your question, I'm really really thrilled with Bridges. I like what he can do on the defensive side, and he's a good three point shooter. Uh, and that you know he did, he was great in his debut. Missed missed the one shot we needed at the end that would give yeah, him the lead. Yeah. Um, but he joked about it after on Twitter. It was kind of funny with a LeBron James bending down, being tired. It was uh, yeah, so far so good. Um, and you know, excited to see how he does in the Garden on Monday. I well, we'll see how he he does in the, against his old uh, Villanova teammates, Jalen Brunson right. and, and and Josh Hart. Um, so I'm curious because you you said you love to go on Knicks podcasts and you host a, a podcast with a, a Knicks fan. Sure. And I'm curious, like I usually get the, the temperature of out of town people of what they think of the Knicks, and no disrespect, but the Knicks come up twice a year for most of the people I talk to for this podcast they're in your market. And so you've been inundated with the Knicks probably your entire life and sure. having to have a thought about them. What do you honest, like, no holds barred, your honest feelings. How are the Knicks doing? What do you, you, what do you see across town and what the Knicks are building? 
Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, I've been a net fan my whole life. My first Nets game, I was like 10, 11 years old. I saw Drazen Petrovic drop 44 against the Rockets. And I said, this is what we're doing. 10 okay. minutes from the arena. This is it. I love it. I was hooked. I was like the, the Knicks in the garden just didn't appeal to me. Just loved all that. Yes. And now doing a podcast with a Knicks fan, Alex and I get into it and he loves the Knicks and I do not. So it always <laughs> brings that out of me and getting to see this, you know, on a day to day basis. Uh, I'm probably more positive on the Knicks than he is. I, I think the Knicks are headed in a decent place. Jalen Brunson is a steal, obviously, in what they got for him. I don't qualify that as the Knicks getting a free agent because basically they got somebody with his daddy on the team. So I understand it's not like a big <laughs> get, but he's been awesome, right? Yeah. And yeah. to Julius Randle's credit, uh, I thought he was un, you know, unplayable after what happened last year. He has reinvented himself again to become an all-star. So I like the Nick pieces. Now, the problem with them is I don't know if they have direction where they can be a championship team. I don't think there's really anything around them that makes you think that. But I would say they're a good 44 win basketball team, maybe 45 wins. The issue is the East is just so damn good. I don't know from a direction standpoint, where are they going next? That would be the part if I'm a Nick fan that I'm worried about. But like in the moment, be happy. They're playing well. They beat good teams. They have a bad loss here. Uh, again, though, like, you know, what is the ceiling for this team? Because I don't Brunson and Randall are good, but you're not going to go to the next like great level. RJ Barrett right now is um, has gone backwards, I would say, overall this season. And then, you know, add Obi Toppin to the mix where the Knicks just strike out again on another first round pick. High lottery pick is a problem. Uh, but, you know, Leon Rose is drafted well late round with quickly. I, I as someone that absorbs the Knicks kind of as a sponge from everything that is around me, I think the Knicks, the Knicks are, they're a good team. I just don't know how they become great. Do you, is that your assessment of Obi, by the way, that, that they struck out or is it that they just haven't figured out how to use the player? Well, I think it's a combination of both. I mean, we'll never know because he doesn't play. Yeah. But at the same time, I mean, the big part of it is, and I don't want to be the guy that's like, oh, the Knicks passed on Donovan Mitchell. They didn't go, they didn't, they didn't make that like I like all the teams passed but, on Donovan Mitchell. <laughs> yeah. This is different though, because the Knicks had a void at point guard, mm -hmm. right? The Knicks had a void at point guard. Now, if they draft Tyrese Halliburton, they're probably not Jalen Brunson. Jalen Brunson's probably not on the roster. I don't think that happens and they're, they're a different trajectory. But to me, that was a strikeout. Now, it's a little different than Kevin Knox. It's a little different than Frank Nilakina, where they played and didn't get run. I guess to me, it's like ultimately I'll say a bust because I don't care if it's the Nick organization or it's the player. It's just not working. So it isn't. The, the example I used with us, I was talking to one of the, a couple of the people that work here about like how much do we put on Obi? How much do you put on Tibbs? How much do you put on the front office in that situation? And it's almost as if like, if he, if Obi was a teacher and he went to, if he like the thing he was good at was teaching history. Okay. And then the school hires him to be the math teacher. And it's like, why are all your students failing math right now? It's like, well, I'm not a, I'm not a, a math teacher. I'm really good at this other thing. And they're just not, like, like, yes, he could like go out and become a really good math teacher. He has the ability to go right. learn math. And like he, to his credit, was asked to be a floor spacer when he came here. And he's improved his shooting significantly since he's been here. And some of the defensive rebounding has gotten better. He's never going to be elite on that matter, which is why I'm curious if the Josh Hart thing helps. But oh, he's a, a rim running transition highlight reel and the Knicks run this slow paced isolation offense that requires him to be a floor spacer. He can like learn how to be good in that role, but it's why I, 
it wouldn't shock me if the next team that gets him tries to dive deeper into the guy that was at Dayton, the high flyer, or mm-hmm. it also wouldn't shock me if he just like is a backup and we find out, oh, okay, so maybe he just like the things that he's bad at actually do supersede um, what he's good at. And, you know, the Knicks, you know, tried to, did, weren't able to utilize his skills offensively, but I look, it, Obi is so polarizing around, not even polarizing, but it's the Obi Tibbs thing around right. around Knicks fans that just gets so polarizing at a certain point. Well, you know? yeah, I mean, the, the the issue is, you know, when you look back at it, I don't think they expected Julius Randle to be an all NBA second team player. Exactly. So he ends up having this career year franchise level guy playing where he's I mean, he's incredible. Then he gets to the Hawk series and everything changed last year and he's back where he's having all-star level play. I don't think they expected that because you're going to draft a guy that went to college for four years that is an older player and older in NBA terms where you're going to come in, you've been at school for four years. There's no real like sitting and waiting and developing for two years. You've got to come in and play. And now Tibbs, and you correct me if I'm wrong on this, but his stubbornness to play Randall and uh, Obi together, he's not on the court. He's getting between eight and 12 minutes. And it's like, it's just not going to it's not going to work like if i'm the knicks just trade obi get something back now say it was a mistake at least make your team better because if he's just going to sit there it doesn't it, it it doesn't make sense either play him and it fails or trade him get assets back and you say it didn't work out but to be kind of stuck in the middle here is odd it's why I, I'm more positive than negative on just about everything with the knicks i think they're they've over achieved from my expectations before the season with the roster. I, you mentioned Julius, like the commitment to just redefining what his shot selection is, I think is why you're seeing the improved numbers and output that he's been this year. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm higher on the coach than a lot of this fan base is. I'll tell you that much. I don't think he's perfect. I think there are things that he is actually very bad at it. You just mentioned one of them, the need for 48 minutes or however many minutes of rim protection that they end up playing. Uh, will cost them when teams go small. And it's why I also am curious when these teams go zone, if he's able to just be like, oh, I don't I don't know what to do. I need rim protection. Um, and then I, as far as the front office is concerned, I think they've been better than they have the good, more good than they have been bad. But the things they are bad at are very glaring. And OB is an example of that. In, like you said, you had a spot at eighth overall to take a point guard could have taken Halliburton, a guy that actually would be perfect, a driving point guard that would get to the rim endlessly, perfect for Tibbs. And you chose a CAA client that, you know, like you went with what you were familiar with that William Wesley is apparently very high on. So, you know, it's it's back and forth in finding the things that I like and finding the things that I am still frustrated about by this franchise. But overall, I I'm glad to hear that it's like, it's more positive from from your perspective about the Knicks. I, I mean, uh, yeah, you know. I mean, they're 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 winning basketball games. They beat the bad teams. They sometimes beat the good teams, and then they do the other thing on the other side. Well, the you know, like like to me, as crazy as this sounds, but going into Orlando and beating the Magic, where a young team has played really well of late, mm-hmm. it's like eighteen and twelve in the last thirty. Like that was a really good win going in and getting that. You know, beating Utah at home, they're getting these wins and they're piling up. So it's hard to ignore. I would just say, like, I, and it, you know, I hate it. It's annoying. I hate to see the Knicks have success. <laughs> uh-huh. um, I don't like it, but I would be, I'd be lying if I was going to be a hater and say they're not playing well. My big critique would just be like, what's next? How do you get them better? And I don't know if there's an answer. 
I mm, so I struggle with that question too because man, they, it's so clear they thought this summer was going to be the Donovan Mitchell summer, and all of their eggs were being put in a row that summer 2023 is when they'll go all in on a deal. They would have RJ able to match the money. He's the guy that you send out. You'd have all these other pieces if you wanted to do so. And it happened a year early when some of their assets, like Julius Randle wasn't an asset in any way. He would have been, you'd have to sell off um, Mm -hmm. that, that guy. And now if you did want to use Randle in a trade for a superstar, you can. And I Mm -hmm. think that's what, that's what get, makes me hopeful that I don't see who the player is that they'll eventually trade for. I know there's a couple of guys I don't want, like Zach Levine or Carl Anthony Towns, um, that I just don't think are worth going all in on. Yet, I I think their assets are much better if they were to potentially go that route and trying to improve the roster with one big swing. Um, and look, you said it before about like it's probably the smarter move to trade Mikel Bridges for four first-round picks. The heart wants what the heart wants. And two years ago, it probably was the smarter move for the Knicks to trade Julius Randle when he was playing like an all-star before the extension so they could pivot to Obi Toppin and get into the Cade Cade Cunningham lottery sweepstakes. And like that would have been the smarter move and trust the process and all that jazz. And yet, that was one of the most fun seasons the Knicks have had in my life. And I'm kind of enjoying this season. Like Josh Hart last night became a hero because he like played 27 minutes off the bench and grabbed eight rebounds. Like that's right. how low the standard is for just confident basketball play. Um look, as far as the the Knicks Nets rivalry is concerned, <laughs> I would like to actually beat your team once, especially now that the guys, the big guys are gone. Um you going into this game as we wrap up, are you confident that streak will continue or are you worried about the Knicks? I'm always worried that okay. when they play the Knicks, it's a, I don't like losing to the Knicks, um, but it's been nice to beat them nine straight times, mm-hmm. you know, over the course of how many years it's been, it's been fantastic. Um, I'm always a little bit worried. I mean, this is going to be a tough game for the Nets, right? They're going in against the Knicks team. That's got continuity. I know they added one player, but for the most part, it's the same roster. The Nets are still trying to figure themselves out. still trying to get the pieces together. I mean, they've got four new guys, that have been that have come onto this roster in the last two days. This mm. will only be their second time playing together. They did for the first time together. They looked good versus the Sixers. They had no scoring at the end and couldn't win the game. But you know, I yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, I'm, I'm definitely always a little worried. I I, I don't like. There's definitely a, a sense of relief though, um, in a weird way. Like if the Nets did lose to the Knicks, I wouldn't feel as bad about it as maybe I would have had when Durant and Irving are out there. Like to me. That was the case where it was like, no excuses. You cannot lose to this basketball team under any circumstance. Now it's like, I I guess I could be more understanding of it because of where the Nets are and they've changed. And it might not bother me as much. I got to say, my assessment of the trade is, is, it sounds like you, you share it in that... There's a lot of young, exciting pieces of a, of a team worth rooting for. Mm-hmm. They're not going to win anything like significant, nope. but I think it's like almost exactly where the Knicks are, where there's like some young guys that you'll like, and Jalen Brunson has found money. And honestly, at this point, Julius Randle has found money. And like the bad contracts are like it's Jalen, it's Jalen Rose, it's uh, Derek Rose and, uh, and Evan Fournier. And that, that ship has kind of sailed and I, that no one's causing any, they're the veterans on the team that get to right. kind of shepherd over 
this this younger group. Um, so yeah, we're we're all both kind of in the same boat, but at least I would see that. At least hopefully this game sucks. is on Monday. So maybe that is what sucks is that you're back down to the next level of zero expectations, but hopefully a fun watching experience. That's basically it. I will say yeah. though, going through the storm that was the last couple of years uh, makes this. It's only been like two days, so don't mm-hmm. you know? I don't want to like you know make this seem so hyperbolic, but like this idea, it's just kind of refreshing. Like okay, at least this is it. Let's hope we can make the top six and have some fun. And that's yeah. uh, that's I guess that's what all the Nick fans are saying too. <laughs> it's quite literally the motto of this season. Like you know what? Maybe oh, we get man. the top six and have some fun. That, that's so about it. Um, Mike, you've been great. I uh, appreciate you giving me the time on Super Bowl Sunday, especially since I know there's some other stuff that we won't mention going on in your life. That well, you could. It's all good either. Well, way. just your 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 wife is expecting, and mm-hmm. at any moment this podcast could have ended because you would have had to rush someone to the delivery room. Uh, I appreciate that that didn't happen, but I wish you the best of luck over the next couple of days. I do have uh, two missed text messages, but I, I think, oh no. would, I think somebody, oh no. <laughs> I think if my, if my, if I, we had to go to the hospital, I think my wife would have just walked in the, you know, in the room and said, let's go get the bags. Yes, yeah, exactly. Uh, before you go, hopefully it doesn't happen in the next couple seconds. Uh, plug what you'd like to plug to everybody where they can find your stuff on the internet. Yeah, I appreciate that. And I do a uh, Net Nick podcast called Bad Weather Fans uh, with me and my buddy Alex Benezowitz. We have a fun time doing it. And it makes for an interesting show because I'm a Nets fan. I have no problem admitting I dislike the Knicks. He's a Knicks fan. He has no problem admitting that he dislikes the Nets. Uh, you know, But we have a mutual respect for each other, which I think makes it fun. Um, so yeah, check it out. Bad Weather Fans. We've had some fun interviews like Richard Jefferson, Tracy McGrady, uh, Chris Childs, Kerry Kittles. And uh, Meta World Peace recently joined us, so we we have a, we have a fun time, some cool interviews. And if you wanna if you wanna hear someone you know from the other team, put down the other team. If you're if you just want to hate on the Nets, feel free to join and listen to hear me cry. It's all ah, there for you. There you go. Hopefully, I would say like hopefully it's not too much crying, but I do hope Monday night that there's. A hint I get of it. it, you know. I get I, it. I respect it. Yes, it's been like you said nine straight times. Haven't beaten the Nets since the pandemic, so. I, I this very feels much, like this this feels like this has to be it right like in your head right now you're going nine straight times they've got a whole new roster it's at the garden Knicks are playing well they're mm-hmm. playing good basketball like this has to be it right in your in Nick fans heads going this has to come to an end see here's the problem last year that Cam Thomas game at the garden where the Knicks blew a 28 point lead that I thought had to be it. And it ended up being rock bottom. That completed a three and 17 stretch for the Knicks going into the all-star break. I thought when I came back from vacation, everybody would be fired. And instead it, it was just like, all right, we're, we're back to the lottery. Like business as yeah. usual here at MSG. But yes, I am hope this is the absolutely the best chance they've had. No Knicks fan. It is they had so many weird streaks. They didn't beat the Nuggets for like 20 years. They didn't beat uh, the Nuggets in Denver for like 20 years. They right. didn't beat the Raptors in Toronto for like since Linsanity. And now it's like, all right, the next streak is because it's not just beating the Nets for the first time in nine tries. It's beating Ben Simmons for the first time ever. <laughs> so crazy. I would like both of those streaks to end on Monday well, night stat. and we'll see what happens. Weird yeah, stat. it's very weird stat. Uh, Mike, you were great. Thank you for joining me. Anytime. Appreciate it. Once again, a big thank you to Mike for coming on today's pod to help me preview this game 
and to vent and give the perspective of what it's like to watch uh, a three-year run that had so many ups and downs. I guess it's a three-and-a-half-year run that had so many ups and downs um, and included some unbelievable highs and potentially a, a shoe size away of having a really good chance at winning a title and some of the lowest of lows where you were caught defending Kyrie Irving in public. But Mike's a good friend. He's a good uh, good guest as well. And uh, go again, go over to the Bad Weather Fans podcast feed. Uh, five-star rating and a review. Help them out. And tell them Nick's Film School sent you. Uh, that'll do it for me. If you dig the show, head over to iTunes. Drop a five-star rating and a review. John will be on the post game tomorrow with... Uh, uh, his reaction to the Knicks game against the Nets. The casual crew, um, me, XJ, Sean, and Mensa, will be on playback on Monday night, um, reacting to the game live in the moment, potentially uh, very motivated Jalen Brunson because he might be trying to get another all another crack at that all-star game spot with Jalen Brown potentially missing. He's. I'm recording this um, after the Eagles lost the Super Bowl in a way. I, I Listen, I talked to my shit on Twitter and, and used the back-to-back L's tweet again. But man, uh, another thing that would get me to reconsider following sports is if my borderline perfect season, one of the more fun teams that I've ever watched, ended up losing in the Super Bowl despite a 10-point lead and a questionable holding call at the end that... Uh, more or less put the game away. But um, on to basketball we go. Now the football season has ended. Welcome all of you that were following football until uh, today. And now we're jumping back into Knicks land. Um, and hope you enjoyed this episode of the Knicks Film School pregame show. Until next time, thank you for listening. Enjoy the game tonight. And I will speak with you soon. Peace. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.